Brothers, I'm coming to you today trying to think of more ways to to keep the Word in front of us. And uh, there's a weekly or daily Lenten reflection that I've been reading, so I thought I might bring that to you today. Uh, This one's pretty thought-provoking, so I thought you might enjoy it. John 5, 1-16 There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool, called in Hebrew Bethesda, with five porticos. In these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been ill for a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am on my way, someone else gets down there before me. Jesus said to him, Rise up, take your mat, and walk. Immediately the man became well, took up his mat, and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your mat. He answered them, The man who made me well told me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who told you to take it up and walk? The man who was healed did not know who he was, for Jesus had slipped away since there was a crowd. After this, Jesus found him in the temple area and said to him, Look, you are well. Do not sin any more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jews that Jesus was the one who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began to persecute Jesus because he had done this on a Sabbath. So friends, in today's gospel, Jesus heals a man who was physically ill for 38 years. That makes an observation about another manifestation of Christ's power, his spiritual healing The Gospels are filled with accounts of Jesus' healing encounters with those whose spiritual energies are unable to flow. Much of Jesus' ministry consisted in teaching people how to see the kingdom of God, how to hear the voice of the Spirit, how to walk, thereby overcoming the paralysis of the heart, how to be free of themselves so as to discover God. It is interesting that Jesus was referred to in the early church as the Savior. Sotor in Greek and Salvator in Latin. Both of these terms speak of the one who brings healing. The soul is that still point at the heart of every person, that deepest center, that point of encounter with the transcendent yet incarnate mystery of God. When the soul is healthy, It is in a living relationship with God. It is firmly rooted in the soul of meaning and is the deepest center of the person. So at the end of each of these readings and reflections, uh, it's asking each of us to reflect. I'm not going to share that with you, but I am going to share the question that they ask you to reflect upon. And I ask that you... Take this question under consideration and reflect about your own soul. The question is, in what way does your soul need spiritual healing? 
Lord, it is good that we are here, and I hope this finds you well. May God bless you and keep you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now a man was ill, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant an ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on that last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and asking for you. As soon as she had heard this, she rose quickly and went to him, for Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still there where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her were weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. 
He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you will always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to him, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. So, as I read this, I got to thinking, what do I see? And I realized there were three things that stood out to me, three themes. Uh, The first would be trust and faith. And we see it as, uh, as Lazarus grew sick, Mary and Martha, they called for Jesus. And they called for him because they believed in him. And they had seen his miracles and know that he could definitely heal their brother. Uh, we do see this faith in verses 21 and 22, where Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know... I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So I was thinking about that and I'm wondering how many of us have that kind of faith? How many of us have seen miracles and come to believe with that kind of faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus? The second thing that... uh, I saw was was God's will and uh, how he does things in his own time. So we know that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved that whole family. Uh, And in fact, whenever he was in Bethany, that's where he would stay or if he was around Bethany in Jerusalem, he would stay in their home because it was only a few miles from Jerusalem. So you would think surely he would know their pain because he loved them so much and he he really loved that family. So why did he delay? Why didn't he go right away to heal Lazarus? Well, he waited because there was a specific purpose in that delay. And in fact, in that delay, there were two reasons. Firstly, was to show us that... uh, that things happen in God's own time and according to his will. You know, they don't always, they're not always given to us when we would like to see them or what, what we, when we want to see them. And then secondly, uh, it was to show that Jesus does have power over death. And he knew that his disciples needed to see that. Instead of healing Lazarus, he knew that by raising Lazarus from the dead, it would have a much more profound effect on them. And he knew that this was going to be essential to our Christian faith. And it was very important for the disciples to see this, to see that resurrection of Lazarus. And in that way, they would be able to believe that 
he, Jesus did have power over the death and really truly proclaimed that word when Jesus himself was raised. And he shows that again in these verses, 25 through 26, when Jesus is talking to Martha. He said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Those are, that's one of the questions I have to ask myself. The third point is something I never really thought about, and uh, it uh, it hit me tonight as I was reading these words and thinking about it. But uh, Jesus has emotions, just like any of us. Uh, he's no different. He truly was a man, just like us, when he was here on earth. And he, he he was able to express compassion, he sorrow, expressed anger, and, and even frustration. And we could see that. It said in the, the, the passage that he was actually perturbed. But more importantly, uh, and we I found this in the shortest verse in the Bible, and it's John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Jesus, he openly cried. He cried because uh, one of the, the aforementioned emotions, but he is just like this, but he, he cried mostly because he cares. He cares for us. And he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus so much that he cried over their grief and over their pain and over their sorrow. These weren't all the exact same feelings that, that he was having, just, just like them or just like you and I when we lose someone. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I know that uh, I am in love with the Son of Man because someone who cares enough to weep for me, I know he loves me. And because of that love, I know that I will one day rise again. So I guess the question then would be, do you have that kind of love? Do you know that one day you will rise again? Hey, brothers. It is good that we are here. So we come to you today with joy and elation, celebrating Jesus and the gift that he has given us. But we've also come uh, reflectively thinking about Holy Week, Easter, and that gift that he gave us and the price that he paid to free us from our sin. But we also come to you with a heavy heart, with concern for this great nation and also for our own community. There is still a lot of uncertainty in these times and this pandemic has touched some of our families and our friends. But I know that through prayer and faith that we can come out of this situation on the other side, stronger and wiser. I know this because we have all been given a gift and that gift is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with our faith and the grace of God, all things are possible. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. 
Uh, this week, brother, uh, like David told you last week, we do have a special treat for you today. Uh, instead of just listening to David and I drone on, uh, we have Father Steve here with us today, and he wants to share some of his thoughts and, and reflection on the gospel that I'm about to read to you. And I didn't have the gospel ready. Sorry about that. Bear with me just a moment. So from John chapter 20, verses one through nine, this is the day gospel from Sunday. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from, understand from Scripture, though, that Jesus had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you very much, um... Brian, this is Father Steve Leger, pastor of St. Jude Church here in Belmont, and the priest, of course, who was on our Acts Retreat a few weeks ago. I am very happy to be here today, and we're delighted to make this presentation for you. I want to thank especially Brian and De David for making a special effort to stay connected with you guys since our retreat, which ended on March the 8th. You have very much been in our thoughts and prayers uh, this morning, Brian has picked out the gospel from this past uh, Easter Sunday, which is, I think, very fitting and appropriate for us to think about today. You know, when we look back at that retreat, we finished our gathering on Sunday, March the 8th, so it's been more than five weeks since our uh, retreat concluded. In those days in early March, we weren't terribly worried about social distancing. We knew that it was a prospect coming up, but we kind of took advantage of the situation that we can remain very close to each other. The virus was in its early stages, and I think that indeed the timing was good for all of us. We are truly blessed. No one from that gathering, those early days in March, uh, became infected with the virus within the 14 days or so following. So. It was truly a blessing for all of us to be together and to have that freedom and that comfort to be in close contact with each other. But as time has progressed, the world and our lives have become much more difficult, much more challenging, much more complicated. <laughs> Anxiousness and concern are all around us. 
illness is lurking around us and economic pain and uncertainty is also hovering all around us as well. And so the question becomes, where do we go now? What can sustain all of us during this time of trial? <coughs> In times like this, I think we need to look back and remember, all of us need to look back and remember what God has done for us. And I'd like to propose three different things for us to consider today. First, each and every one of us needs to pause and look back at our own personal lives. Think of back about your own individual moments of trial and turmoil. Maybe in the recent past, maybe long ago. Can each one of us look back and say that God was with us and that he sustained us? I think if we are honest that each one of us can say yes, without a doubt, God was there when we really needed him. <clears throat> Secondly, I invite all of us today to look back at our Acts retreat, which happened more than five weeks ago. Do we all remember now the brotherhood that we experienced then? Do we all remember now the love and support that we received from one another? Do we all remember now the compassion and openness that were a part of that weekend? Do we remember that weekend in a special way feeling touched by God? Again, if we are really honest, I think that we can all say today, yes. Now is the time to look back and remember and to use that weekend as a moment when God was speaking to us. Thirdly, let us look back at just a few days ago at the celebration of Easter. <coughs> when we look back on the weekend of Easter and the days leading up to it, the period that we call the Triduum, we remember the beauty of the Last Supper. We remember those 12 disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, being gathered together with him for that special meal. We remember quite vividly the agony and the despair of Good Friday. Jesus suffering, dying on the cross, being abandoned. But above all, when we look back at that weekend, we remember the joy of Easter morning when the disciples discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead. Victory, glory, Resurrection. That's what Easter is all about. No matter what happens, Christ reigns supreme. That, my brothers, is what should sustain us more than anything today. That Jesus Christ reigns supreme in our world and that he is with us now more than ever. Thank you, Father. That was fantastic. Shake that.